Welcome to the Readings Podcast. I'm Chris Gordon. I work in events and programming at Readings. And today I'm speaking with Jane Carrow about her new book, Accidental Feminists. This book explores the notion that women over the age of 55 are the generation that changed everything in our world, often through persistence, energy and adaptability. Welcome, Jane. Thank you. Jane, why write this book now? Well, uh, it's probably got to do with my own age because I'll be 62 this year and... Uh... And looking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, but uh, it focuses the mind on on your own life, I think, and also the people you shared that life journey with, so yep. your generation. One of the good things that comes with getting older is uh, a longer view. You can sort of see how things have fitted together and therefore turned out the way they've turned out. And um, I was really interested in the idea that I was fortunate enough to be part of a generation of women who, because of technological change, basically the pill, uh, got opportunities to do things that no generation of women en masse had ever got before us. And so that was, you know, a big deal. And no one had really noticed that it was such a big deal, but it is. And um, But then I heard the horrifying statistic that the fastest growing group amongst the homeless are women over 55. And that really made me think, how can there be these two really different um, outcomes? Because some women are doing really well and have lived rich lives and have got money and are a market. And you can see that in the fact that, you know, older women aren't quite as invisible as they used to be in media and film, etc. But then we have this other really awful result where far too many of my um, peers are facing really awful financial stress in their old age. And why do you reckon that is? Just because somewhere along the line there was different crossroads taken or have we as a society just literally let these women down? Well, it's probably a combination of both. But I think to a large extent, I think we as a society have to cop a lot of the responsibility here because what we've done is we've moved in some ways and not at all in others and the way we haven't moved is particularly attitudinally in the belief that good women put other people ahead of themselves good women uh, drop everything to care when someone needs care good women are martyrs good women are martyrs good women are unselfish all of that kind of thing exhausting it's exhausting Jane and it's dreary and boring it's also unfortunately financially fatal and um, for a lot of women uh, who, who they what, what infuriates me is they were the good girls I was growing up with. Not bolshy, loudmouth, rebellious types like me who refused to do that kind of thing. No, no, no. These were the good girls who did what they were told and, you know, were obedient and all that kind of thing. And they've tried really hard to do the right thing. So what would be their, their sort of timeline? They're the women that finished high school perhaps went to second went on to tertiary education got married some of them went to tertiary education yeah. but I, when i was towards the end of high school in the 19 early 1970s i finished high school in 74 um a great many girls left school um, and boys left school at um the end of year 10 or fourth form as we called it then after the school certificate in New South Wales which now really doesn't exist but was a huge exam and they went off into all kinds of trade kind of jobs now for boys there were lots of available jobs for girls there was a narrower um, 
you know, choices. But also there was pressure often from parents for girls to leave because it was seen as, and quite overtly spoken about, that you didn't need a university education if you were a girl because you're going to get married and have children and what use would it be? You do talk about one of your friends, one of your high school friends in your book who who had to leave at the end of year 10, Mm. fourth form, and how there was just actually no choice at all. And then the crossroads happened. You just... She disappeared. And, I mean, she didn't for her own life, but for my life she did. And I think for some of those women it worked out fine. Uh, Unfortunately, as soon as you are relatively low-skilled in terms of education and if you take a relatively low-skilled job, that increases your vulnerability. And then if you marry and you leave work to look after small children for uh, a long period of time, that increases your vulnerability. And there goes your superannuation. There goes your superannuation and there goes your chance of ever breaking into a higher paying job unless you're very lucky or you put an extraordinary effort in. And most people are not exceptional. Most people are ordinary and they, I'm ordinary, you know, we jog along and we take the opportunities that come our way. My mother was very unusual in that she drummed into my sisters and me, get a, get an education, go to university. Can we go back to your mum just for a minute? Because mm. what I found incredible about reading this book and, and knowing such a personality like yours, Jane, through the TV and other sort of articles that you've written and social media and, and, and uh, sort of books that you've edited. So knowing you as sort of this personality out in the media, which actually does make you extraordinary, I was very interested to learn that your mum was one of the early sort of feminists. She belonged to the women's electoral lobby. I mean, at that time, that would have been so incredibly radical. Yeah, it was. She was very radical and she was very different from all the yeah. all my friends' mums. Yeah. Um, and she gave very different messages. And I, um, I am incredibly grateful to her because I think having a feminist mother is, and indeed a feminist father, because my father... Th- always adore has always adored my mother thinks she's smart as paint uh thinks she's the smartest person he knows oh. and um that's a huge gift to daughters in particular and i often think to myself a feminist mother and father are probably the greatest protective um thing you can have as a as a girl going out into society because they'll tell you the truth and they'll arm you. They don't tell you the nice lies that a man will look after you, that um, the world is your oyster. Girls now are told not so much that a man will look after you, but that, oh, you can do anything, girls can do anything. And actually, there's really very little evidence that that's true. That's true. Yeah, I agree with you. So this is what happened to sort of women of a certain generation is that they got into these relationships, they got married, they had their kids, uh, there wasn't any sort of strong messaging, and their marriage falls apart and... Well, now we've got some sort of epidemic of women that are homeless over the age of 55. Mm, there mm. are stories of women living in cars, uh, surviving, still having to pay rent at these ages. And I don't know what we, what we do about this. I, 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 how do we fix this? Have well, you... to help those women, we have to uh, start building affordable housing quick smart and uh, we have to uh, get them safe, secure housing. You really can't go into your old age 
unsure of where you're going to sleep at night um, and feeling unsafe. So uh, that is something we have to fix in the short term and really put our mind to it. And there are many ways we could do it. We're one of the wealthiest countries on earth. how we choose to spend our money is a choice and we have for far too long chosen to reward those who are already doing well and punish those who have found life tougher and uh, this is the result of us doing that. This idea of personal responsibility has uh, become a kind of cult now and it just refuses to take into account different kind of circumstances and the problem for women in this situation is that they have been asked to do two totally contradictory things and one of those is to put other people's needs ahead of their own and take care of others and at the same time be responsible for themselves and take care of themselves we actually can't do two those two things, things at the same time it's no. a, yeah yeah so I, i'm sort of interested in this in the, in the uh when we look at these ideas and we look at the rise of feminism, perhaps. Mm. There's more and more, I would think there's more and more people calling themselves feminists now than there was in the sort of, you know, the second wave or even the third wave. We're in sort of that shaky ground of the fourth wave now. Do you think that feminism is getting it right as a movement? Oh, look, feminism is a human construct. It'll get it right and wrong. It'll do it good and bad. You know, that's that's humanity for you. We're flawed. Um, Basically, I think if you look at the trajectory of feminism from Mary Wollstonecraft or even before that, um, it's always been around even if it didn't have the name feminism, um, it has been incredibly successful and very, very important. Um, Basically, it has raised the status of half the human race to being recognised as almost fully human. And that's incredibly important and vital for not only women but also men because Absolutely. our rigid policing of, uh, of a very restrictive gender roles on both sides ha- has terrible um, effects on both genders. It's not a coincidence that men have the highest rate of suicide. It's not a coincidence that men um, die earlier than women even if they don't suicide. Yeah. Fortunately, most of them don't. But, you know, they are cut off often very early from their emotional selves and that's a terrible price to pay. I agree with you. Women are cut off early often from their intellectual and um, ambitious sides. That is also a terrible price to pay. What we want is people who can fully realise all their humanity and all their um, characteristics and be allowed to make mistakes and fail and then find their way through it without finding themselves disproportionately punished for that. I agree with you. Jane, I read somewhere that uh, women that are married live shorter lives than women that are not. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Men that are married live longer lives than men that are not. Yes. I think there's been research for quite a long time which shows that men benefit from marriage and women actually <laughs> we, we, <laughs> suffer. Yeah, we uh, suffer. Does it, we it, doesn't, suffer. it doesn't work out. <laughs> our workload goes up, yeah. men's workload goes down, women's life satisfaction goes down, men's life satisfaction goes up. Um, so, yes, that tells us something pretty profound about the cost <laughs> to women of... Um, the way we expect them to be still the kind of service gender who um, spend their time uh, making life better for others. Um, that sounds all very noble, but actually I think it's, it's, it's 
the cost of it is too high and it's unfair for both because it is generous to take as well as to give um, because people like to give occasionally and they like to receive occasionally to always be the giver and always the taker is um, limiting on both absolutely absolutely so just going back into some of the issues that you raise in your uh, extraordinary read your very easy read which I appreciated because I know it's very difficult to write in simple ways and in uh, in using terminology that is accessible to everyone so I, I commend you on that with Thank your you. book I thought that was very important that this wasn't a highbrow kind of no. read that this wasn't an academic read that this was a conversation starter your book uh, and so I thank you for that because it seems to me that it's more important that women of my age, those that are under 55, start thinking about, you know, women over 55 and women, our, our mothers and what's going to become of them. I was very interested to read sort of a chapter on the rise of tertiary education that in some ways your generation, women over 55, were the women that benefited from a free tertiary education. Yeah, we did. Uh, what an amazing amazing opportunity and now of course you know uh, our daughters are having to pay for bloody tertiary education Mm -hmm. but there's more people in universities than ever before I think back in in your time and even in my time uh, about 10% of the population Mm, went to university and now we're up to 40% Mm, that's right it's almost become and in a way it's a shame it's become more of a technical um, thing than a than an academic yeah, I and think this is interesting. Yeah, yeah, we've turned university into um, a training ground for jobs rather than what it always was previously, which was about having a broad um, education. And I think that there's been losses in that, and I, I certainly am keen on the American idea of everyone does a undergraduate humanities degree and then specialises in more technical occupations later. Um, and it'd be nice if we came to that kind of thing eventually. But um, the change was huge. And that, that it, it's interesting how things happen all at once. So the, the pill happened, which is the major reason that women of my generation got opportunities that others other generations hadn't had. But along with that came things like the free university education window, which mature age women who'd been denied, like my friend at the beginning of the book, who'd been denied that opportunity when they were school, you know, leaving school, grasped with both hands and did incredibly well. And they went into Australian society in the late 70s, early 80s, and really made a big difference and paved the way for my generation. Other things that happened at the same time was no-fault divorce. It's all Whitlam government stuff. It's really interesting, oh. which also meant that women, now that they they could earn their own money, that they had a, an education, could decide to leave lousy marriages. Now, I would never preach stay in a lousy marriage. It's one life you've got. It's too miserable to stay in a horrible situation. But sometimes women who did the leaving and... I think a lot of women, uh, when at this point in history, did the leaving rather than being left, they felt guilty, particularly if they got custody of the children. And part of that ingrained idea that they should never put themselves first meant that often they gave up their financial... They, they said to their husband, oh, no, you keep the money. All they got was the house and the kids. 
Um, and then they'd go back, which meant they had to keep part-time work because they're doing the majority of the parenting and they're doing it on their own now. And they were, um, again, increasing their vulnerability with all of this towards a penurious old age. Because what has happened a lot is that women have gotten, they lose their jobs, average age of retirement, in inverted commas, for women in Australia at the moment is 52. Uh-huh, Is because it 52? Yeah, because old women are down. We don't oh, want them. Oh, lordy They're just Lord. not trendy and you can't teach old dogs new tricks and all that rubbish. Um, so a lot of women lose their uh, jobs at that age. For men it's 58. It's not much better but a bit better. And um, suddenly they find themselves with only their house. And, of course, so what do they do? They want to 25 years to go. 25, yeah, till they're 67 for the pension. Yeah. Not that that's much to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, right, yeah. And then they, um, so they sell the house because they've got to have an income, buy somewhere cheaper or worse, rent and live off the capital. And that's how they end up in this terrible situation that rents go up and they simply cannot afford to keep the roof over their head. And it's sort of been a a. a tumbling forward without realising it into a situation where when you're in your uh, mid-50s up, suddenly you can't find another job. You're on New Start, you know, you're supposed to make 10 applications for jobs a week. And no, we know there's also research in the book that shows that the group in society least likely to get a call back for a job interview are older women. So it's a perfect storm. Yeah, it's terrible. Mm. It's terrible. So what do you think? Is there is there something that uh, all of these gorgeous young young women that are calling themselves feminists, that are there fighting the good fight, what can they do? Do we think it's enough just to be having conversations about it? What do we need to do? Who do we need to be speaking with constantly? <laughs> <laughs> all conversation is good. Um, and I would never say that speaking up about things doesn't matter. It does. It creates pressure and that's important. But I think there are things you can do for yourself. Look to your super. It's incredibly important. Um, Recognise that you need to be thinking about your income your whole life. Uh, But we can also put political pressure on governments. First of all, reduce the cost of childcare. It is eye-wateringly expensive. It is amongst the most expensive in the world. And this is deliberate and it is old-fashioned, often religious-based ideas about keeping women at home with small children. Sorry, guys, not good enough. You said you'd look after us. Every woman living out of her car because she did that is a very clear indication you didn't look after us. So we need to look after ourselves. So that has to change. But also we need to share the work. We need male parents to parent as much as female yeah. parents. So what needs to happen there? We need more maternity and paternity leave. We need we need parental leave where yeah. men must, as they do in the Scandinavian countries, take a percentage of that leave. And can um, we just say they seem to be the happiest nations? Correct. Yeah. Um, and often the most prosperous. Uh, we need to, and the best educated. Mm. We need to do those kinds of things and we need to change our attitudes about what's women's work and what's men's work. We need the the workplace has to stop being predicated, as I saw it referred to on Twitter today by Cindy Gallup, as around the idea of the housewife, the idea that the worker has a support mechanism at home. That is no longer true. Let's just drop that word. Let's just drop yeah. housewife. I'm done. We've dropped the word. We haven't Have dropped. We? Yes. Nobody talks about housewives much anymore. We haven't dropped the expectation that yeah. they're there. Yeah. And that is 
hugely problematic. We have to, everyone has to stop working these ridiculously long hours. That is an absurdity. We need to recognise that work is not separate from life, but part of life, and that not even the major part. Um, And also that there's all kinds of work that adults need to do, um, including the housework, the parenting, and the paid work, and that they should be shared equally. But also I think that if we have people in our society who take time out for caring responsibilities, be that small children, elderly parents, someone with a disability, whatever the reason is, the taxpayer, the government, should pay their superannuation the whole time they're out of the workforce doing caring because they save society an enormous amount of money by doing that, but they also desperately increase their own vulnerability if they're not getting their super kept up for homelessness in their old age. And that reward for doing a job like caring for someone who needs it is absolutely unconscionable. Jane Carroll, I would like to make you the Prime Minister. (laughs) Thanks, but I don't want to be the Prime Minister. (laughs) What would you want to do? What would be your next move? Here you are, you're going out, you're going across the country and you are talking the talk and and you're full of action and vigour. What's going to happen next? Uh, I'm going to keep doing what comes along. Hallelujah. I'm going to, you know, like I've got another book to write, young adult fiction. Um, I'm interested in this because it's actually historical fiction that you, this is one of your passions. Yeah, well, I've just finished a trilogy on Elizabeth I, young adult trilogy. They're beautiful, sweet stories. I love them. Oh, thank you. And I'm about to write... Uh, one another book for UQP. It is sort of historical. It's set in uh, country New South Wales in the sixties. Oh, uh, yeah, coming of age story. So that'll be a bit of a different, and that's fun. I like to do different things. Yeah, but um, I just keep speaking up and speaking out. And if people are interested in hearing what I've got to say, I'm happy to say it. I don't. I I thought seriously um, a little while ago about formalising it and maybe getting into a more uh, formal political role. But I'm sure you've been offered that type of uh, thing. No, not really. Oh, uh, oh. Occasionally, but never by a mainstream party. Why, why um, would that be? Do you think that's because, you know... Oh, I'm thinking white, of this. trouble. Male. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know why. You'd have to ask them. But um, to be honest with you, I've pretty much come to the conclusion that I'm probably more effective as a loose cannon because I'm beholden to no one. I can say what I think and... Um, you know, I've, I've got particular passions that are not electorally uh, popular, particularly my uh, advocacy for public education. Um, and I don't want to have to compromise that or give it up. And in fact, I'd be incapable of it. So uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't plan. I just do what comes next. And I'm happy to contribute in whatever way people think is useful. Fantastic. Jane, uh if I was to ask you uh, just some very quick sort of questions, mm-hmm. just one word sort of responses, sure. just so that we can know a little bit more about you because you do have this incredible public profile. So quick quick questions. Red, white, red or white wine? Rosé. Ooh, look at you straight in the middle on the fence. Mm. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Reading in bed or on the couch? Both. Anything lying down, basically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Mm. hear you. I hear you. Uh, Sunday mornings, paper or walk? Are you reading the paper? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, out. Get out Mm. there and amongst Mm -hmm. it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you watching right now? Succession. Oh. It's awesome. 
Really? Mm. I don't know anything about it. Tell me a little bit more. It's on Foxtel um, and it's it, actually the first series is just finished but you can find it, um, I'm sure, on On Demand. It's a, um, obviously loosely based on the Murdoch family and it's incredibly well acted and produced and written. It's fabulous. Um, it's a, a you know media mogul father with four children, three completely screwed up sons and one not quite so screwed up daughter who's played by Sarah Snook, the Australian actress. Oh, I love her. Yeah, she's, yeah fantastic. she's fantastic. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's wonderful. And what are you reading right now? I'm actually reading um, the sort of thing I do for complete relaxation. I think it's called The Long Weekend and it's the history of country houses in England between the wars. I just love that stuff. I'm weird. No, I don't think that's weird at all. And I would think, you know, all those historical organisations would think that you are just one of them by saying it. (laughs) Jane Coe, the last question that I'd like to ask you is, what message are you going to give to a 20-year-old feminist? What would you say to them? Be yourself. And do not seek approval. You do not need to be approved of. You just need to be yourself and bugger what anyone else thinks. I am so making my 20-year-old daughter listen to this podcast. <laughs> Jane Carroll, I think you are one of the extraordinary women in Australia and I am grateful that you are there Thank you so much for sharing your morning with us today. Oh, thank you. Uh, You've been listening to me and Jane discuss her amazing new book. Uh, This is available, of course, at all reading stores. You can stream previous episodes of The Reading Podcast on our website, readings.com.au, where you'll also find news, reviews, and, of course, reviews of The Accidental Feminist, and interviews and information on our current books, music, and DVD releases. You can even sign up to our newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Thank you to Tom for recording this session and a special mention to him for the fab introductory tune that you hear. Uh, This podcast has been recorded at the Kathleen Syme Library. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.